This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. I have been so looking forward to catching up with our next guest. She's a widely admired CEO in a business that is at the crux of so many things we care deeply about. I'm talking about Margaret Keene, Chief Executive Officer of Synchrony Financial, joining us on the phone from Connecticut. Margaret, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You and I spent some time together a few years ago now at the Economic Club of New York. It seems like a hundred years ago. The world was a very different place. And I do wonder, because you have such keen insights into what's going on with the American consumer, how is the consumer doing right now? Well, you know, I think going into this is kind of a pre-pandemic, then I guess pandemic and kind of now we're opening up so we're kind of seeing different trends i would say going into the pandemic the consumer was very strong we were we were doing really well uh sales were strong payments were coming in the consumer is really acting uh very responsibly and we felt like we were going to have you know a a great year um then the pandemic came along and obviously you know the initial onset of that really shut down most of the uh, retail landscape, and you know, we saw sales, and we said this in our earnings, down, uh, averaging about 32 to 34 um, percent. What we've seen since then, though, is definitely a bit of an, uh, a, a comeback. Our sales are down now 10 percent. Hmm. Uh, so certainly, the consumer is um, back out and shopping, and uh, you know, we're seeing it across the U.S. So it isn't even just in the states that I would say are completely open. It's, it's across the board. Wow. Well, that's so, really, you know, we're going to pay close attention to that. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, it's interesting. We've been having so many conversations certainly here at Bloomberg, you know, that it feels like to some extent we're flying blind when it comes to the economy. We know the past data points looking backwards are not going to be good. We get that. Right. But we are wondering about what kind of a bounce back do we get on the other side so you're saying consumers are coming back i mean what kind of indications are you know what are they spending and 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 you said it's up about 10 percent. or what can you tell us in terms of well it's down 10 percent from where okay. it was at the beginning so we dropped our sales were at about 70 percent. they dropped of 32 ish then they they've come back now they're down 10 percent from what they were pre-pandemic so that's a pretty big swing um what I would say is, um, you know, it's the things you're reading about. Um, you know, we were talking earlier, I was at the Bernstein Conference, you know, for instance, power sports. We're not big in power sports, <laughs> but our power, power sport sales are up 100%. So people are buying things that they can play with at home. Uh, and we're seeing things related to the home be very strong, whether that's um, home furnishings or or things that uh, people are doing to fix up their homes. So we're certainly seeing strength there. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, bicycles, adult bicycles you can't really get. <laughs> right. Sold out. So it's really been, I think what's happening with the consumer, there's a couple of things we, we believe. One is people have given up vacations. They're staying at home and planning to stay at home. So they're fixing up their homes and doing activities around the house with their children and their families. I think, uh, you know, we think that's a positive, and, and I think that's where consumers are spending. Obviously, you know, we have very strong online partners. We're definitely seeing online being a big part of, of that process as well. Um, but, I, you know, I, honestly, I think we're, 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 we're probably um, 
we're, we're probably a bit more positive than we thought we were going to be at this point when we first started out here. Yeah, and interesting. I think there's a lot of stimulus out there, and that's something we've got to pay attention to. There's still a lot of stimulus, and I think what we've been saying is we've got to make it through the summer, see when that stimulus runs out, and then where do we, where do we stand? And, and we probably won't have a good read until third quarter. And so, Margaret, when you think about the retail environment, obviously so many things have been shut down. You've had well-known brands uh, go bankrupt, and you know some may restructure, some may never come back. What's the net effect of that for basically sort of the, the world at large, but also for your business, this shift to online, where I know you're very active as well, but break that down for us if you can. Sure. You know, I, I would say, look, retail has been going through a, a transformation for quite a while. I think the pandemic and the fact that people had to shut their doors just accelerated some of what was going to happen over time. Uh, so we're seeing that, you know, in some of our partners as well as many other retailers that are not our partners. And I think what's happening is you're seeing retailers who are strong becoming even stronger. And I think that will continue. Um, you know, I do believe that there's been a lot of view that retail is dead. I do not believe retail is dead. I think people like to shop. I think we will over-retail, and I think the strong retailers will certainly survive this and probably be stronger in the end. I do think retail has to have a digital strategy as well. They need to be able to be where that customer is shopping. And I think from a customer behavior perspective, we certainly have seen a continued shift and an acceleration of people shopping digitally, and I think that will continue. So I think there are certain things that people may have never thought of buying online before, but are buying online and have gotten comfortable with that through this process. And that's going to shift consumer behavior, I think, going forward. What do you think people will still shop? People will still shop. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a social thing to some extent, and people enjoy actually going out and feeling uh, merchandise. And I think, you know, maybe in New York, it's going to take a, a little while to come back, but, you know, until people feel safe, safer. What are you seeing in terms of delinquencies and people's ability to, to actually pay their credit cards? So this is, this is probably one of the more interesting things that we're trying to figure out. You know, consumers are paying their credit card. So about... 75% of the customers who initially put themselves into a deferred payment status have actually come out of that and are paying their accounts. So we actually are seeing good payments right now, uh, which is another thing that I think has us a little bit at pause to understand why is that. Now, is it the stimulus? Is it the fact that people aren't spending money elsewhere on discretionary, so they're paying their credit cards and their, their obligations? Um, you know, we have a lot of people who are receiving benefits, so is that helping? Probably all these things are helping. You know, the other is, the big one is, you know, people aren't driving, so gas prices right. are down even if they are driving, so there's extra dollars there. So right now, our, our, our performance in our book is, is, is good. Uh, we're very cautious on this, though, because we still believe that, you know, we got to see how people come out of this after the stimulus runs out, and more importantly, what does the, the job market look like? How many people are still at work? I think we're still um, very cautious on this particular area. We're talking with Margaret Keene. She's CEO of Synchrony Financial. She's on the phone from Connecticut where the company is based. Margaret, you know, it's interesting what you said, that uh, that statistic, 75% of customers who put themselves in a deferral mo- uh, payment status have come out of it. Are they paying off their balances and spending? Some are paying off their full balances, and some are just making what their regular payment mm. would be, but some are paying off their balances. Yes. Rather than, than spending and increasing the balances. Yes. 
Right. So we're seeing our balances come down as a result of that. And so and that that I think has surprised us a bit because I, I think yeah. we just didn't you know, it, you know we have models for all kinds of recessions. Right. Uh, we don't really have a model for a pandemic and consumer behavior in, in something like this. And I think, you know, I, I guess a positive of this is, is those who have gotten stimulus are, are being thoughtful about it mm-hmm. um, and possibly using that towards their payments. But I think the real test is going to be once we get through all of that stimulus, it's not there anymore. How many people are employed and what does that look like? So that's why I, I'm saying what I'm saying is great now, is good now. But I'm being very cautious because we think there might be another another side of this. Right. And so, uh, Margaret, when you think about sort of changing behavior going forward, you know, just getting right down to the nitty gritty of someone, you know, a human handing another human a credit card, all of a sudden something we never thought about, we're thinking about more and more, you know, the very few times I venture out, I think about that. I think about who's touching my credit card. Are there technologies that, that you're working on that change the nature of how we behave going forward, given that we are thinking so specifically about literally every single thing we touch? Yeah, absolutely. And I think people don't want to touch anything. And even when I do go out, if I have, if I have to hand my card to someone, I actually, actually wipe it off after I come yeah. home and yeah. I want it because... I think you have to, based on what, what all the experts are saying. Um, look, I think the technology is actually available. So I think we're, we're looking at doing more contactless cards where you just have to, you don't even have to, um, you know, insert it or you just, you know, stop it by the actual machine. Um, what really has to shift here is, and I'm sure you see this particularly in smaller businesses, um, they need to change their point of sale. So I think more businesses are, Shifting to that, in some cases, some of the regulation that's been passed in some of the states is you have to do contactless. So I've even seen in the little stores I, I shop in here in, in the town that I live in, people have made changes to their point of sale. So I think that's going to continue to, to happen. The technology is there. Um, it's just a question of accelerating the use of that technology. So how does that all impact you? And I, I also think, like, in my household, we hadn't signed up for Apple Pay. But because of this environment, we're thinking, okay – less back-and-forth transactions where we're giving a card or doing something. We really have been thinking about this in a big way. So if more people move to platforms like that, how does it impact Synchrony? Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't really because we can do all those, all those. We can do Apple Pay. We're in Apple Pay today. So you can use Apple Pay. You can use Samsung Pay. But I think also, you know, MasterCard, Visa, the big, um, the big associations are actually moving to contactless credit cards themselves. So it could be a digital wallet. It could actually be the physical cards that that's contactless. So for instance, we, we just we're preparing for the future. We put in an order for plastic that's going to be only contactless capable so that we're ready to roll when we, we reissue cards and do things like that. Cause we think as, as you said, people are not going to want to touch uh, different, different point of sale. Margaret, you know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about on on this program, and I think we're all learning uh, in a very profound way, is that while the virus doesn't discriminate medically in many ways, it does discriminate economically and socioeconomically. And the impact of this on all of our lives is really different depending on what you earn and sometimes what your gender is in, in many cases. What have you identified and, and what do you think we can do about it uh, as we start to assess 
the impact that this has had societally and, and especially when it comes to, to the economics of it? Yeah, you know, I, I think what, what's happened in this pandemic, it's really bringing to light many of the issues, social issues that have existed out there for quite a while, whether it's, you know, you, you mentioned New York City, they, they, they didn't close schools soon enough. And, you know, one of the reasons is because 85% of the students there receive at least one or two meals there a day, right? So they knew that closing creates this other issue. Um, and I think for us, it's really about how do we continue to drive our diversity and inclusion initiatives inside the company? How do we take a stance in certain areas where we're going to, going to lift people up, um, making sure we're paying uh, good wages, making sure, you know, we're doing all the right um, activities. For, for us, for instance, we've been really, really focused on what I call overall wellness, and we've been doing a lot for our employees in that area. We have diversity networks, and so we've been doing some extra um, um, work groups with, with, with our webinars, if you will, with our folks in both the, uh, the African-American, Hispanic, and even, um, you know, we have a Native American network, mm -hmm. which, as you know, that, that, that group of folks have also been hit very hard. So we're trying to make sure that education availability um, inside our company is really um, very focused on those groups to really help them, um, you know, get the right support they need. But what about, you know, I think about if you look at store cards, I think the average rate on it is, you know, 20% or more. I mean, it's and I do wonder about when we think about the vulnerable folks that are part of our society often need to do a card because that's how they can afford things. But those rates often really make it difficult for them. I wonder, you know, because of what we're seeing and as a result of the pandemic, you know, how you guys might be rethinking some of that strategy. And I understand, you know, you're set, you've got a business to run. Um, but I do wonder how you think about something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we always take, take, you know, the rates and the process that we do in, into uh, consideration whenever we're originating new accounts. I think part of, part of how this works is really the mechanism of the rewards that people get on the card and how you pay for those rewards. If you look at most of our rewards, they're richer than what a general, a general purpose credit card would be. Um, and, you know, we, we pay close attention. And, you know, I don't, you know, we've changed. I, I think there's a, a little bit of a misconception that um, private label credit cards are mostly um, sub subprime. That's actually not true. We've changed our book dramatically from the last recession. And our, our book is, is much, much higher FICO than it was back then. It's, uh, you know, um, I, would pay, I would say, you know, mid-prime uh, type of customers who, to your point, do need these cards. Um, and, you know, we think we manage those, those cards well and we treat our customers with great respect. You know, it's important for us to support the brand. And, you know, when we do get customers who are in trouble, we, we definitely are trying to do the right thing to help them along the way. And so from a very practical perspective, Margaret, how does your company specifically get back to the office? Where I'm very sensitive about saying, you know, back to work because we know everybody's working yeah. hard uh, in many ways. But, but what does the office look like for you? I, I believe you're probably not coming back to work until at least September. Is that right? Yeah, we put September out there. I, you know, look, I think um, we're going to be very cautious about this. I, I think it's uh, – 
just responsible to make sure we have the right protocols in place before we even think about putting people back in the office. I do think the mix of people in office versus at home is going to dramatically change for us. I think we've learned through this process that we can work from home, you know, and I think probably the the one area that to me has been really fantastic to see is, you know, we moved, we moved all our call center folks to home, work at home. Wow. Uh, we had a subset of people who were working at home before the crisis, um, but we pretty much were able to move everybody home. And, look, we're going to be thoughtful. We're, we're going to start out with volunteers. We're going to test our processes. Um, but I would say, in general, I think we'll have less, a lot less people in, in our offices and more at home as we go through this. So we're looking at our footprint, what makes sense. I mean, an important part here, and this is the part I think that's unknown right now that we've got to figure out, you know, is how do you keep your culture how do you right. keep your identity? How do you make sure people are feeling belong to something bigger? Um, and and how do we make sure we have those processes in place? Now, we had that in place for the 1,000 people we had working at home. It's very different when you have 17,000 people working at home. So, I, you know, I, I, we want to make sure we're doing this in a, in a thoughtful way. Certain I have to say that was the number – that was the number one thing that came up on a conversation I had with CEOs earlier today. It's all about culture. Like, how do yeah. you keep that going? Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that from you as well. All right. Margaret Keene, thank you so much. Really good to catch up with you. The CEO of Synchrony Financial joining us on the phone from Connecticut. A you know One of these companies, we've been saying this uh, all afternoon, Carol, yeah. in some ways, used to be part of GE. Uh, everybody, like so, so many people uh, touch this company and vice versa. So getting her insights into the consumer, uh, I think, was interesting. And I have to say, some of the stuff she said surprised me on, on the upside. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, absolutely. In terms of you know consumer spending and and where people, what where, you know where people are committing money at this right. point. A really great conversation.